Well, good morning, Cedar Creek Church. It is good to see you this morning. I am Danny, the campus pastor here at our Banks Mill location. And so thank you so much for being here. If you're new to Cedar Creek, you may be wondering where that uh, fashion-savvy, cutting-edge pastor of ours is. Pastor Philip, as he came out just a few minutes ago, and going to set some new trends for us. Well, today he has given me, along with our other campus pastors, an opportunity to share God's Word. And so we all get excited when we get an opportunity to share and to speak. So I appreciate him doing that, but I'm just thrilled that you are here. We're going to have a great time together, and as we get ready to get started today, I'm going to talk about a topic that is really, really, I think, important. It's something that's lacking. It's something that all of us from time to time may experience, and to get us started today, I want to take just a second, and I'm going to share some words with you, and I need some audience participation here. When you think you know what these words have in common, I just need you to scream at me, okay? And don't be bashful. Don't be afraid. I don't have any great prize to give you or anything else. But when you think you know what these have in common, just let me know. So the first thing, eggs at Easter. Eggs at Easter. At times, car keys or cell phone. Treasures. Wealth. Okay, first, y'all got to step up. First service, they already had this. All right, so I'm expecting some more out of you. Well, God. I think I heard, say it again. Things you're certain. Oh, thank you. Good. Uh, But I'm going to give you the rest of them just because I spent time preparing. Okay. Um, Love. How about this one? Cheap gas prices. The perfect body. And by that, I knew you would get it. Yeah, these are things that we search for. And there's a whole lot of things in this life that we search for. Most of them really aren't that significant and that important. But just some things to get us to begin to think about the whole idea that we're searching for things. I want to take it another level and get a little bit more serious and just think as creatures that God has created, what are some of the things that uh, we search for that are critical? They're at the very core of who we are. And several came to mind right off. I thought about love. You know, we're all searching to be genuinely loved by someone. I think about hope. We all want hope. We all desire hope. We live in a hopeless world, but we all desire that. We desire acceptance. We desire forgiveness. We desire peace. And this morning, I want to take a few minutes to talk about that very last one I mentioned, peace, because that's a very elusive thing in the world that we live in today. Uh, People are searching for it all the time, and rightfully so in the world that we live in, because things are so chaotic and so crazy, and people just want to be able to find that peace. And what I'm talking about here is not peace as far as no war uh, in a relationship or a country, but I'm talking about that that internal peace that satisfaction, um, that fulfillment that all of us yearn for and search for, and a peace that's not dependent upon what happens on the outside, that it's not external. It's an internal peace that says, no matter what's happening out there, I'm okay, I'm satisfied, I'm content, I'm fulfilled. And I want to talk about, like I say, for a few minutes today, because I think it's something that's so important, but yet it's something that's lacking so much in the culture and in the world that we live in today. And as I deal with that, I'm going to be coming out of Ephesians chapter 2. I want to read the first 10 verses. I know that's a lot, but I ask you just to follow along on your Bible app and your Bible. You can watch on the screen. And I need to tell you this, today is a very humbling day for me because this may be the first time ever that I've put glasses on standing in front of people to read the large print edition of God's Word, okay? So we got a lot of things happening here. So please bear with me as I do this because this is a sad day. So anyway, here we go. God's word says this, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, 
obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are unified with Christ. So God can point to us in all the future ages as examples of incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all that he's done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Listen to these verses. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things he planned for us long ago. What powerful, powerful words. And I'm just excited about what God's laid on my heart dealing with this whole thing of peace because it is something all of us yearn for and seek. And so I want to start by just looking at what's the root when we lack peace? Why is it that you and I lack peace? And the best way I can answer that and best thing as I started thinking through this is a lot of times we misplace our focus when it comes to peace. We want to look for things like a certain career. And hey, if I could just have that particular career, my life would be good and I would have peace. Or maybe it's a financial level you're shooting for. If my 401k can have this, if I have this much in savings, I have this much in my checkbook. And we think if we get to that point, that peace is going to come. Maybe it's status in the community, in your workplace, but maybe you think this morning, if I can just climb the ladder and get to this place, I'm going to be at peace. I'm going to have arrived. Maybe this morning, for some of you who are type A and you like to figure everything out, you just keep telling yourself, if I can figure out this situation, if I can figure out what's happening here, then I'm going to be good and I'll be all right and I'll have that peace. Maybe for some of you this morning, it's people. And you look around thinking, if I could just have the right people in my life, I would have the peace that I'm looking for. For some of you, and I get this on a life stage, and maybe especially if you're a young mom or dad or you're somebody that's just busy all the time, you just think, if I can move through where I am right now and I can get these kids graduated or I can get through with this career and get through with this life stage, then finally I'm going to be at peace. Or maybe it's just a situation. Hey, I'm trying to get through this divorce. I'm trying to get through this death in my family. If I can make it through this, I'm going to be okay. But here's the problem. All of those things will come up empty every single time. You may get a little reprieve for a little bit of time, but they're not going to bring you true peace because it's just not where peace is found. Uh, those things actually, as we go through and deal with those, they're going to lead to a void and emptiness because they're, they're, they're a cheap substitute for peace. So with that being said, what, what's the root cause? And we find out in verses one through three of this, the very foundational cause for lack of peace is very simple. And it is, we don't have peace because we're spiritually dead. And God's word says that once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. So we need to understand today, the very core reason that this happens in lives is because spiritually we're dead. We're dead because we choose to live in disobedience to God. And we're dead because we choose to live in sin. And let me, re, let me emphasize again, those are choices that we make. God's very clear in his word. He wants to be in a relationship with us. 
He wants to walk with us. He wants to guide us. He wants to direct us. And it's our choice when we reject him. And we say, you know what, God, I've got this. I can deal with this. It's our choice to live in sin. We pick that. We choose that every day. So we have to understand those are decisions that we make and they, they truly are choices. And at the end of the day, they're gonna lead to a lack of peace in our life because it's not where God wants us to be. And verse three, again, I wanna emphasize how personal this is that we choose to live for our passions and we choose to live for our sinful way is what God says. Again, it's that choice that we make. So let's get practical for just a minute. If you're sitting here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I think God's word is clear why that is, because you're dead spiritually. And we're gonna talk about how we can remedy that in just a little bit. But for a lot of us sitting here, we already have a relationship with Jesus. And so the question becomes, why can't I have peace? Jesus is in my life. Why am I missing this peace? Why do I not have this part in my life? And I think what it does, it really comes down to we follow our passionate desires and our sinful ways, and that somehow we expect God then to give us peace. We choose to live sinfully. We choose to live outside of what he desires for us. Let, let me put this in uh, human terms for a minute to help you understand this. And I'll just go ahead and tell you this. I wrestled really hard this morning because I didn't want to share what I'm about to share with you. And God has continually reminded me Cedar Creek is a church where you're real and you drop your guard and you be who you are. So I'm letting you in on something kind of personal between me and my wife. So please understand that. Yesterday afternoon, I spent a lot of the day outside and I know this is going to be shocking to you, but uh, I don't have dark skin. And so when the sun comes out, if I don't use sunscreen, I burn pretty quickly. And one of my prayers to God last night when I went to bed is, God, would you please let the redness of my head and neck subside some so it's not distracting to people who are listening today. And he heard that prayer. But that being said, I came in last night and just had burnt my head up from being outside all day. I didn't put on sunscreen and I didn't wear a hat. A little side note, three years ago, I had about a four-inch place on the top of my head. Uh, some pre-cancer was there, and so just a nasty scar, nasty whole thing. My wife went through all that with me and everything else. So when she came in the door, I didn't realize as bad as it was, and as she came in the door, her first comment was, your head is fried. Did you not wear a hat? Did you not put on sunscreen? Being the godly pastor that I am, I listened to her, I listened to her advice, I was patient. Honey, thank you for loving me so much to share that with you. No, that's not how I responded. After she shared a few um, um, informational words with me that I needed to hear, I pretty much just shut her down and I said, that's it, I don't need you to say anything else, I know I burned my head. And she stopped talking to me and allowed me to go ahead the rest of the night with the head that hurt because it was burned up pretty good. But y'all, listen, a few hours later, this is, this one I just want to scream at myself. I'm sitting there and we've already talked about my head and my wife, we're talking, having a conversation and a topic comes up, the topic's irrelevant, but she says to me, I didn't know about that. And I said, well, I really didn't think it was that big a deal. Big mistake. That's what I said though. And so we began to talk and the more we talked, the more I could realize that I really made a poor decision, not keeping her more in the loop on a decision that I had made without her being part of that decision and really, really messed that up and blew it. And I think the reason why God brought those to my mind is he reminded me that peace within our relationship didn't happen because I chose and I made some choices that were not the right choices. Um, and because she cared about me and loved me, she wanted to be in those choices. She wanted to protect me, but I chose to not allow her to do that. So the peace in our relationship was broken because Danny made some really, really poor decisions. 
And again, I just want you to see we mess up too. Just because we're standing up here, we struggle just like you do. I had to apologize to her. I feel this tall today because I didn't do what I needed to do. But the point is, peace was not there because of decisions that I made. And for those of us who know Jesus, when we don't do what he commands us to do, we don't walk in the ways that he tells us to walk, that peace is going to be missing because it's broken, because we're sinful. We're choosing to do things on our own. So let me ask you a couple questions as we get ready to move to point two. First of all, are you seeking Jesus and are you seeking a daily walk with him? If you want peace, you're gonna have to seek him. You're gonna have to seek it in a daily walk with him. Are you being obedient to him? Truth be known, I think most of us know much of what God's word teaches as far as what we need to be doing or not doing. And how many times do we know what God's word teaches, but we think, you know what, I got this. You know what? I know better than God on this. You know what? I can handle this. And so we step out and we do it our own way. That never turns out good. At least it doesn't for me. So are you being obedient to him? And are you allowing him to lead you? God's not going to lead you into a place where you lack peace. God's not going to lead you into a place where you lack hope. God's going to lead you to meaning and hope and purpose and direction. So are you allowing him to do that? Or are you wanting to live like you live and then go, why don't I have any peace in my life? The root of it typically comes down to the fact that we are disobedient. So how do we begin to live differently? First of all, realize we can't do this on our own. We cannot get peace on our own. And we need to realize that our ability to live differently, to live in peace, comes from God and from his spirit. And that's going to lead me right into my second point of the source of peace. We know the root of lacking it, our own desires, our own passions, our own desires. If you don't know Jesus, it's because you're dead. You're dead to him. You're dead to the victory that he can give and the peace that he can give. And again, we're going to address that in a minute. But So let's talk about the source of that peace. If our peace doesn't come from us and it doesn't come from our efforts, then where in the world do we get peace? And the Apostle Paul has some great insight and words on this in verses 4 and 5 and 8 and 9 that I read to you just a minute ago. And he basically says to us, we lack peace typically because we live in our own desires and sinfulness, but God does some really, really incredible things we read in his word. And y'all, I don't understand this. I don't know why God does this because I'm going to tell you at the end of the day, I'm a pretty lousy person. I'm a sinner. I disappoint God a lot. I break his heart. I try to take control of my life and keep control of my life a lot. And quite honestly, I don't know why God hasn't just given up on Danny Wilson and just said, you know what, dude, I've tried and you keep messing this thing up. And so just go do it on your own. But you know what? We serve a God that does not say that to us. He loves you and he loves me way too much. And I want you to notice what these verses say to us. But God gives us three things that were talked about in these verses. He gives us mercy. He gives us love, and he gives us life. Why he does that, I don't know. When I first read that and read over that again and was reminded that, I'm like, what, God? This just doesn't make sense. Why? Why do I get to bring you this broken, messed up thing, and then you say to me, Danny, I'm going to give you mercy, and I'm going to give you love, and I'm going to give you life? And let's talk about what those words mean real quickly. Mercy is simply kindness or goodwill toward the miserable and afflicted, joined with a desire to relieve them. Let me read, that's a deep definition there. Mercy is kindness or goodwill toward the miserable and afflicted, joined with a desire to relieve them. That's what God's desire is, to come alongside of us, to show us goodwill and kindness, and to actually even relieve us and to say, you know what, you don't have to stay there. I can get you out of that. I can give you peace. You know, I was reminded a while back driving um, down Powderhouse Road and 
there's this thing called a speed limit. Sometimes I like to obey it, sometimes I don't. This particular day, I felt like it was a little bit low, so I went a little bit beyond it. And an Aiken County Department of Public Safety officer was sitting there and clocked me going a little fast, so he pulls in behind me, pulls me over. No excuse whatsoever. I was probably going to what's cooking or to eat or something like that downtown. So he comes to the window, and I roll it down, Mr. He, sir, do you know why I pulled you over? I said, I know I was exceeding the speed limit. And officer, I'm just going to tell you, I, I don't have a good reason for doing it. And I just decided, hey, I'm a plea. I'm just going to tell the truth. I don't have a reason for doing this. So he asked me for my registration and my license. He goes back to his car, and I'm sitting there the whole time talking with Kelly, thinking, all right, I'm getting ready to get a ticket. This is not going to be good. And she's sitting beside me thinking, you're getting ready to get a ticket, and this is not going to be good. And so... Thankfully, he comes back to my window and he gives me my license and registration back with a little paper and he says, I'm going to give you a warning this time. I need you to slow down on this road, please. A lot of families out here. It's a tight road. I need you to be careful. And so I just thought about that when I thought about mercy. He didn't have to do that, but he showed kindness to me and goodwill. And he actually relieved me some because I didn't have to pay for a ticket and get points and do all that stuff. So in my mind, I'm thinking that's what God does to us. He says, you know, you deserve this, but I'm going to show you kindness and I'm going to show you goodwill. Then we go on to find out not only does he give us mercy, he goes on to say, I love you. And this isn't a normal love. This is an unconditional, God's word uses the word agape for that in the Greek, and it's an unconditional love. And so God says, Danny, you bring me brokenness and disobedience and sinfulness, and I'm going to give you mercy, and I'm going to love you unconditionally. And for me, that gave me great hope, and I, does, I hope it does for you, because listen to me for a minute. I don't know where you are. I don't know what kind of life you live or whatever else, but can I tell you this? I don't care if you're living the most godly life that you could live. I don't care if you're living, well, I do care, but if you're living the most sinful life that there is out there to live, God loves you unconditionally. This isn't just for ministers and pastors and people who are good. God's love for us is unconditional. How cool is that, that we get his mercy, we get his love, and then finally God says to you, I want to give you life. I want to give you life. I want to bring you back from the dead, and I want to give you hope, and I want to give you direction, and I want to give you peace. This is a pretty good deal here that God's willing to do that. And then if we go a little bit lower into verse 5, you're going to notice something to me that still just dumbfounds me to no end. And that's when God's word says that he does all of that. He gives us that mercy, that love, and that life. Not when we come in with a transformed, beautiful life. He does it while we are sinful. While we are sinning, God does that. That's why we tell people all the time, you come here and let God transform you. Don't come to Cedar Creek if you think your life is all put together and you've got it all figured out. You're not going to like Cedar Creek because this is a broken, messed up, jacked up church. But we got a God that says, I'm not leaving you there. If you will give me the chance, we're going to take some next step and I'm going to show you mercy. And I'm going to show you love and I'm going to show you life. And he does that while we are sinful. Explain it to me, because I, I don't understand that. But that's what he says he does for us, which is so cool to me. And then we go on a little bit deeper into verse 8 and 9. And again, God meets us where we are, and he shows us this thing called grace. His unmerited, unearned favor. Again, God, why do you do that? I'd bring you nothing, and you're giving me your favor. This is so incredible to me that he does this because we don't deserve it. We don't earn it. This is another really cool thing to me. When it comes to salvation, when it comes to our relationship with God, this is not about a being good enough or, not, or being too bad to receive this. It has nothing to do with that. 
God's grace for you, God's grace for me is a gift that none of us earn that we cannot be good enough to do that. God's words said our acts of righteousness are like filthy rags before him. So when I bring my very most obedient life to God, God looks at me and says, Danny, it's not enough because it's about a gift that God gives us. Y'all, we serve an absolutely amazing God that he picks us up as messed up, as screwed up, as jacked up as we are. And this is what we get from him. We get mercy, we get love, we get life, we get grace, we get his favor. What are you talking That's so crazy. But that's what he does for us. I'm gonna ask you to do something that's gonna be a little bit weird and I understand that. Do not go to sleep on me, but I need you to close your eyes, please, for just a second because I need to read some things to you out of God's word that I really need you to hear and to listen to because you're gonna see what this peace and, and God being the source of that peace looks like. And I'm gonna read to you out of Galatians. So just take a minute, be still, be quiet, and just listen as I read these verses. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Now listen closely. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to these verses. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, listen, peace. The, fruit, the Holy Spirit produces peace in our lives. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Look up here for just a second, and I want you to know that our peace comes from God's spirit living in us, okay? God's spirit living in us. It's nothing that Danny does. It's nothing that you'll do. He comes in and brings peace to us through his spirit living in and through us. And he changes the things in our lives that try to strip that peace. I just read a string of sins to you. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to pull you away from God. He wants to strip that peace away from you. He wants us to be about you, about your peace. He wants us to be about your life and you doing things your own way. And God says, no, what I want to do, and I read that long list of things, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. God wants to bring us life. God wants to bring us meaning and hope and purpose. That's his passion and his desire. And Satan's trying to pull that all away. So we need to understand today that the source of that comes from Jesus. It comes from God, God's spirit living in us. And as God's spirit lives in us, the result is gonna be, we're gonna experience peace. Now I'll tell you this, I'm not telling you that God's spirit is gonna produce an easy life, that it's always gonna be fun, that it's always gonna be simple, it's always gonna be easy. Quite honestly, when you start following Jesus and seeking him, your life may actually be harder and you may face more uphill battles than you ever thought you would face. But here's the difference, the Holy Spirit's put peace in you. So it doesn't matter what happens out here, as hard and difficult as that is, God's gonna have a peace in here that says, you know what, you may not understand everything, you may go through some horrendous and tough situations, but there's gonna be a peace in there that says, I got you. There's gonna be a satisfaction, there's gonna be contentment there, there's gonna be a just, you're gonna be fulfilled in knowing, God, you're there, thank you for being there. 
And people may have to come along and stir that up and help you get through that, but it's there because God's spirit is in you. So finally, let's look at what it means to live in peace. We know the root cause of not having it. We know the source of it. What does it mean to live in peace? And it simply means to know who we are in Christ and to live in his purposes. To know who we are in Christ and live in his purposes. Who are we in Christ? Verse 10 tells us who we are. It says that we're masterpieces. Your version may not use the word masterpiece. Yours may use the word um, may use the word workmanship, I think is the other one that's in there. And you know, as I thought about this whole idea and how important this is that we're God's masterpiece, I had to think back to my college days. Um, I'm not artistic at all. And I don't, I mean, I'm not creative all or anything else, but I had to take a class in order to graduate. And the semester I took it, it was on pottery. Yes, you heard me right. It was on pottery. And I'm like, I've got to take a pottery class. This is going to be awful. Well, let me tell you, that turned out to be absolutely fascinating because to watch someone on a potter's wheel to take a glob of clay, wet their hands and start to work that thing and to create incredible masterpieces is amazing to watch. And I'll never forget the first time I sat at that potter's wheel and I started pumping that wheel and I had to get my clay just centered right and get my hands wet and I started working. It started off and it was a beautiful thing. It starts getting really round in my hand and all of a sudden I'm thinking I'm gonna create something cool out of this. So I start pulling my hands up to create my vase or whatever I was gonna create. And after I did that about two or three times, the sides just collapsed on it and it looked like an ashtray. So I started over and did it again and I got it up about two or three inches and the sides of it fell over. And I realized a potter is creating a masterpiece that a lot of people can't create. Kelly and I had an opportunity not only to do some touring around in North Carolina to some potteries, but to go to England and to go to places to Wedgwood and to a potter named Seth Cardew that was in southwestern England and see some of his works. And one of the things I just, it dawned on me as I was reading this is what was created was masterpieces. These guys were taking their hands and they were taking this glob of clay and creating them into plates and into bowls and into cups and into vases. I mean, unbelievably magnificent things. Here's what I want to say to you today. You are God's masterpiece. And you may sit there and you may not feel like it. You may sit there and say, Danny, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard because look at my life. And I would ask you a question. First of all, have you yielded your life to Jesus? And if so, God's creating a masterpiece. It may not be a masterpiece that you would consider a masterpiece, but he's making you into what he created you to be and what he created you to live for and how he wants you to look and live. And he is working on that. No matter where you are, if you surrender to Jesus, he's telling you you're a masterpiece and he's creating you and to all that he wants you to be into that masterpiece. And we need to understand that's who we are. Let me tell you this, and this is written for all of us. This is coming out of Psalms 139. Uh, Psalm 139, starting with verse 13. Just listen to this verse. And y'all, this is about every one of us, okay? It doesn't matter how crazy and jacked up you think you are. This is what is being said about you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They can't be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake, you are still with me. Do you understand today how valuable you are to God? He took nine months to form you in your mother's womb. Nine months to form this little 
eight, nine, ten pound baby, and he, pour, he knit every bit of you together. You are a masterpiece, and I don't care what you think or anybody tells you, God's telling you today, you are a masterpiece, and you need to understand that. That needs to give you peace in of itself, that that's what God thinks about you, and he thinks about me as broken and sinful as we are. You are a masterpiece. So we need to understand first, and this whole idea of what it means to live in peace, we need to know who we are. We are God's masterpiece. And then the second piece of that that I was talking about, we have to live in his purposes, well, Danny, what exactly are his purposes? What does that mean that, we're, that we live in God's purposes? And he tells us in the verses that very simply, he created us anew once we surrender to Jesus. Once we give our lives to Jesus, we're a new creation and God's transforming us. And this is so cool. In that transformation, he has plans and purposes. And even cooler than that, they're all unique. They're all special. Your life isn't just like somebody else's. You're not gifted just like somebody else. God has made you unique for a reason and a purpose to do things that only you can do for his kingdom and things that are going to bring you peace and bring you joy and bring you hope. He's created you for that. So we need to understand, first of all, who we are. We are masterpieces, but then right beside, behind that, we need to understand that we were created for a purpose and a reason. And here's what I want to tell you. When we understand that we're a masterpiece and we live in the purposes that God has created us for, we're going to have peace. And notice everything I talked about was what God does in us. It's not what we do for him. It's not what we come up with. It's not what we dream about. It's what you and I connect with God as his masterpiece and we're about what he's called us to do. That's when we experience peace. That's when we experience all that God has planned for us. So I wanna wrap up this morning with this and just say that we've got to understand that peace comes from God and comes from God alone. So stop looking everywhere else. Stop searching everywhere else. God's tried to make it very clear. You come to me for peace, and I'm going to give you peace. So he wants you to know that today. And then I also want you to know that the beginning place of that peace is a relationship with Jesus. I talked to you at the beginning of the message about being dead in Christ. I want to promise you today God's passion and his desire is not for you to stay dead. We know in 2 Peter, God even tells us he is waiting to come back so that one more person can begin a relationship with him. How does that happen? We just gotta realize we're messed up and broken and God's word just says it this way, we're all sinful and fall short of God's glory. Every single one of us. So take a deep breath and know, join the club. You're messed up like the rest of us. We also have to understand this. There's a payment for our sin. The payment on this earth is that we're separated from God and we don't experience the life that he wants us to have, that we can have. On a spiritual side, it's really bleak because if we die without Jesus, we're separated from God for all of eternity. And you know what? God loves you and me so much, he doesn't leave us there. He says, you know what? You are sinful, and there is, there is going to be a payment for your sin, and it's death. But he also says, but I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to give you the gift of Jesus. And if you'll surrender to Jesus, I can forgive you of your sin. He paid the debt for you. I can make you holy and blameless, and you can begin to have a relationship with me. So what we've got to do is be willing to surrender to him and to say, God, you know what? Don't have all the answers. I can't cover my own sin. I need you to do that for me. And when we do that, scripture says, and call upon him, he saves us. And at that point, that new life, that transformation can begin as we allow God to work and move in our life like he wants. So if that's where you are today, you need to find somebody that's walking with Jesus and talk to him about how to begin that relationship. You're welcome to find me. I'll be happy to talk to you about how to begin a relationship with Jesus. But that peace again is going to come as we know him, as we follow him, as we do the things he's called us to do, we begin to experience peace. So today, my challenge to you is just to look into your life 
to ask yourself, am I living the peace-filled life that God desires or am I struggling, am I battling with it, am I missing it because I'm choosing to take control and do it my own way? Would you join me in prayer? Father, I want to come to you and thank you for our time today. And I just really want to stop right now and just say thank you so much for your love for us. Father, it's a love that we just cannot possibly understand. We think we understand what unconditional love is, but I don't think any of us really understand what that means, that you love us that passionately. And Father, out of that love, one of the many, many things that you want to do is you want to provide us peace. And Lord, there's so many of us right now that are missing that simply because we're not drawing close to you. God, we're not allowing you to be who you want to be in our lives, for us to be about the things that you've called us to be about. We forget the fact that we're your masterpiece. We forget the fact, God, that you want to be at work to bring abundant life to us. And I pray for each of us that we would slow down and just recognize our need to let you truly be our Lord and to be our Savior and to guide and to direct and to lead us. Father, for those that don't know you, I pray that, God, just honestly, that you stir in their hearts right now in an amazing way that they can't find peace, they can't sleep at night, they can't do anything until they settle that relationship with you. Because, God, it matters. It matters enough that you sent Jesus to die for them, and there's so much that you have to offer them. And, Father, you do it because you love them. So I pray for that person. Do you speak to them, Father, and challenge them to explore that relationship with you a little bit more? But again, I'm so grateful, Father, today that peace comes from you. I thank you that you love us enough to tell us that. We don't have to search for it, Father. We don't have to wonder how we get it. You simply tell us that peace is found in you, knowing who we are, knowing what our purpose is, what our plan is, and being about that. Father, thanks for letting us know that. So I just pray you speak to each one of us no matter where we are. Help us know what your plan, your desire. Help us know what that next step is for us and give us the boldness and courage to take it. Father, everything I pray today, I pray in the powerful, powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen.